0: Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we are so blessed and honored to have you with us today in the House of Faith. On Legacy Television, we're beginning something today that's going to last us over the next several weeks. We wanna take you with Sarah and I into Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri. This past summer, she and I were spending some time there with the kids and her family. And while we were there, we were invited by Brother Keith and Ms. Phyllis Moore to minister on a Friday evening at Faith Life Church there in Branson. And anytime we've been invited into this church family, it's always such a powerful service. And we want to show you the footage from this service. And uh, many of you know, if you've been watching Legacy Television over the last several weeks, even the last several months, we've been touching on the anointing, what it is to live life under the anointing. This is something so powerful, and I want you to hear this today. I want you to find out what your life would look like when you've been anointed with fresh oil. You're going to be blessed by this, but don't go away because at the end of this broadcast today, I'm gonna come back. I've got some amazing, exciting news to share with you and an update of where we are in our Buy Up and Build Out project. God has done some amazing things. I can't wait to share them with you. And you talk about the anointing. We are experiencing right now the prospering anointing. That's a real thing. That's in the Word, and I believe before we're done studying this subject, we are going to jump into that together, but I've got an an exciting, a great report to give you on the Buy Up, Build Out project. So right now, let's go into Faith Life Church. I want you to enjoy part one of Anointed with Fresh Oil, and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. Psalm 92, Dave helped me out. When there was a a time in the history of the church when friday night started ending a lot earlier because early on i remember coming to see sarah and we came to friday night church and you just get comfortable because it might be 10 10:30 let's do it again huh what do you say you want to <laughs> listen to the nervous laughter in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> psalm 92 we'll see Psalm 92. I'm going to begin by reading this entire Psalm. So there you go. Now you know what we're in for. Let's begin in verse one tonight. Psalm 92 says this, it is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name. O most high to declare your loving kindness in the morning. You know, this ought to be the first thing out of your mouth when you get up to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. So there you go. That's how you bookend your day right there. Here's what's coming out of your mouth when you get up. Here's what's coming out of your mouth when you lay down. His loving kindness endures forever and he is faithful. In verse three, says, on an instrument of 10 strings, on the lute, on the harp with harmonious sound, for you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in that work, the works of your hands. Verse five, oh Lord, how great are your works, your thoughts are very deep. Now, you know where Dave gets it. Verse six, a senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. Verse eight says, but you, Lord, are high forevermore. Behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish and the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. Verse 10, but my horn, you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. We'll come back to that. Listen to verse 11. He says, my eye has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish. Somebody say flourish. Flourish. How do they flourish? They flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. There it is again. In the courts of our God, they shall still bear fruit in old age. All the Papa said? Yeah. There you go, amen. They shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Don't you love the word of God. There's just such an anointing on the word. I mean, you can just stand and read it. This is why you and I are so instructed to be in the word day after day after day, but just simply because of the anointing that's on it. And in this Psalm, he's talking to us and kind of drawing the line between them and us. He talks about in verse six and seven, talks about how the wicked flourish. And that doesn't need to be a discouraging thing to you and to me. And I know sometimes when you look at people and you look at uh, how it appears good things are going on in their lives and you scratch your head and you think, I know that guy. And I know that he does not know the God that I know. And yet he's got all the stuff that I'm believing God for. How's that work? I know you've been there. I have been too. But the scripture is clear about it. There is a flourishing of the wicked. Isn't that what he said? He said in verse seven, the wicked spring up like grass when all the workers of iniquity flourish. But notice this, it's that they may be destroyed forever. He's comparing how they flourish to how you and I are supposed to be flourishing. And he's drawing this line between us and them. Us being those who know Jesus, being those who are born again, those who live in this covenant exchange with God, and them being those who don't, who aren't. You do realize, right, there's supposed to be a difference. You get that, don't you? Okay, maybe I'm informing you. There's supposed to be a difference between those who know Jesus and those who don't. As a matter of fact, that is the biggest possible difference that could exist between two human beings. The biggest difference that exists between two humans is not skin color. It's not race. It's not gender. It's not where you are from. It's not socioeconomic status. Those things are not the biggest differences that could exist between two humans. The biggest possible difference that could exist between two human beings is one knowing Jesus and one not one being born again and one not. That is the biggest possible difference that's supposed to exist. Did you catch that? Supposed to, it doesn't always, but it is supposed to, there is supposed to be a difference. So if you're feeling strange, Good news, you are. That's why you feel this way. You're supposed to feel that way. If you're feeling not normal because of what you believe and the way you live your life and the way you talk and the church you go to, if you're feeling not normal because of all that, congratulations, you're right. You are not normal, but listen to me. Normal is broke and sad and sick. And depressed and confused, That's normal. And he, can I see the hands of those who long for abnormality? That's me, that's you. We are, we're different. But you have to watch out over this because you and I start thinking along these lines and we start acknowledging all these differences that we have, and maybe Satan comes along and tries to magnify that and tries to convince you that not only are you different, but you're isolated. He would love for you to believe that you're different and that there's nobody else crazy like you messed up in the head like you. Yes, you are different, but no, you're not alone. Come on. Are you hearing me tonight? Yeah, you're different. We're different, but we are not alone. We're not alone in the way we believe. We are not alone in the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we live our life. We are not alone. I remember one time Sarah and I had been married, I don't know, a year, maybe two. We were living in the first little house that we had and uh, I had an issue with the Wi-Fi, I think. So I picked up the phone to call the internet and phone company. And I got connected to this guy, this technician rep on the other end. And he answered the phone and said, hello, Mr. Pearson, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing well. How are you? And he said, oh, I'm living in the victory. I said, living in the victory. This is the... Wi-Fi guy. This is the tech that's going to fix my internet problems. This is not another fellow preacher. This is not somebody in the ministry. This is the AT&T Wi-Fi guy. And when I asked him how he was doing, it just came flying out of his mouth, living in the victory. And I said, living in the victory, you sound like a faith man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know where this conversation went. (laughs) I have no qualms whatsoever playing the Kenneth Copeland is my papa card. <laughs> Anybody else got one of those? No? I, they work. And uh, I, I said, uh, oh, we got to talk. I was like, I work for a ministry, and oh, what ministry you work for? Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Kenneth Copeland? I was like, as a matter of fact, that's my grandfather. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> That year, my family or my, the the ministry had sent out a ministry calendar to all the partners with pictures and quotes and all that. One month, there was a family picture of the Copeland family and it was on this guy's desk. He's like, I'm looking at you right now. (laughs) And I just, I, I, you know, got the internet fixed and whatever, but I went away from that thinking we are so not alone. We are members of a big, growing, global family. So don't put up with that thought for even a second that you're isolated and that nobody else lives like this, talks like this, believes like this. We're a part of a family. We have a name. We are called the household of faith. That's who we are. We're a part of the family. And this is what God does. He takes those who are solitary and what's he do? He sets them in a family. The very next statement in that verse is he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. So evidently your prosperity and mine is dependent upon us living and functioning and being in the family that he set us in. There's supposed to be a difference. Amen. Between us and them but he talks about them flourishing and then he compares it in these later verses to how we're supposed to flourish. If they're flourishing like grass, one translation says like weeds. (laughs) Anybody else familiar with how quickly weeds flourish? You go to bed one day, you wake up and that was not there yesterday. How quick does grass come up? Huh? Man, I just mowed this stuff and I got to do it again. It's just coming up. It's quick, it's quick, it's quick. But do you remember what Jesus said about grass? What'd he say? It's here today and tomorrow it's thrown in the oven. It's out of here. It's trash. It's burned up. He said, oh yeah, they're flourishing. They're flourishing like weeds, flourishing like grass. But here's how you and I are supposed to flourish. Verse 12, the righteous, somebody shout, "That's that's me. Shall flourish like a palm tree. That's a little different kind of flourishing than weeds and grass. Now, it may take some more time for this thing to flourish, but when it does, it's not going anywhere. Are you hearing me tonight? There's supposed to be a difference. We flourish like a palm tree. We grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So you've got just in the context of this one Psalm, you've got the difference between us and them. You've got this line drawn between us. You've got what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to be different. But right here in verse 10, you find out how. Here in verse 10, you see the deciding and determining factor in what makes us different. What does he say verse 10? But my horn, that's just a symbol of strength. You could say my strength, you have exalted Like a wild ox, I have been anointed with fresh oil. I'm a little stirred up about the anointing. This is what makes us different. This is what we have that, check this out, nobody else does. This right here, the anointing. He said, you've exalted My strength, let me see if I can find this in another translation for you. Listen to it from the uh, Amplified Bible, the classic. It says, but my horn, emblem of excessive strength and stately grace, you have exalted like that of a wild ox. I am anointed with fresh oil. And really you can see that's what the difference is. That's the difference between grass and a palm tree. That's the difference between weeds and a cedar. Strength. Strength. Grass might be pretty to look at for a minute, but it's not strong. It's not going to hold anything up. It's not going to fortify anything. This is the difference right here. Strength. This is supposed to be one of those things that makes us us that's definitive about who we are and how we live. This is the deciding and determining factor right here. Living, ministering, parenting under the anointing. That's what makes us different. Now, see, I grew up in a house, like I've already told you, in the household of faith. I really felt like that was a scriptural reference to my actual house, the household of faith. And so conceptually, the anointing, was something we talked about. I heard about it a lot. Uh, Somewhere, I think in my early teens, Papa started preaching on the anointed one and his anointing, Christ. what, What would he say? Translate and meditate. What's the word Christ mean? It means the anointing, the anointed one and his anointing. So I was familiar with this concept. We talked about it a lot. We talked about different people and the anointing on them or a service that was anointed or these kinds of things. But just about two or three months ago, it it kept coming back up in my heart again, almost embodied in the thought that I don't know enough about this. I'm familiar with it some, but I'm going to tell you what really helps you find out what you actually know. You ready? Have kids. Have kids. Let them start asking you some questions. You find out quick what you know and what you thought you knew. And I'll be honest with you, that has really helped me in ministering. How would I say this to my son who's sitting here tonight with Sarah on the front row? Justice, would you wave at everybody real quick? Stand and wave, son. That's Justice James, (laughs) eight years old. And it has helped me and helped Sarah to think about these things, particularly things in the Word, how do we say it to them? Because we're raising another generation in the household of faith. And so I've just got on this little quest. Lord, teach me about the, the anointing. And I'm still on it. I'm still hungry for it. I'm standing in front of you tonight going, I still don't know what all there is to know about it. But, but the Lord has been faithful. It was so cool. It was just days or weeks after that, uh, Brother Keith was in Africa and he preached that message, the anointed one. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that. Had to send Brother Keith all the way to Africa to answer my prayer, but I'm, I'm happy. Just a, what a week or two after that on a Friday night, this has just been a few weeks ago, June 1st. I know that because I was listening to it today. He preached a message in here called yield to the anointing. So if you've received anything from that, you're welcome. This is an answer to my prayer. This is an answer to my prayer. But is there anybody else in here tonight that would say, I'm hungry to know more about the anointing? I mean, if this is what makes us different, if this is what determines and draws the line between us and them, we need to know about it. The anointing. I want you to look at Luke chapter four. And while you're looking for Luke four, let me read something to you out of the book of Isaiah. I know you've heard it before, but listen to it again from chapter 10. Give me just a few minutes to lay some foundation here. I'm excited about where we're headed. Isaiah chapter 10. You're looking for Luke 4. We'll put this on the screen if we can. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So what is it that lifts the burden? The anointing. What is it that destroys the yoke? It's the anointing. The anointing oil. And what did the psalmist say? You have anointed me with a, what kind of oil? Did you catch that? Fresh. Somebody say it, fresh oil. Anointed with fresh oil. That's what we're calling this tonight. Anointed with fresh oil. And you need that. We need to be freshened up. We need to get fresh, if you understand what I mean by that. You need a freshness in your fellowship with the Lord. You need a freshness in your walk with him. You need a freshness in your praise, a freshness in your worship. I need a freshness in my preaching. I remember one time as a youth pastor, I decided one night, man, I'm going to pray more than I've ever prayed. I'm going to fast this whole day and I'm going to shut out everything that's a distraction and I'm just going to focus on the service. Focus, 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 focus. And I stood up that night and I preached and it was dry as a bone. It was so boring that I got to the end of that message and I stood back and I literally looked at the teenagers in the room and said, well, that was boring. I think I kind of stunned them all. I noticed nobody was like, oh no, no, it was great. (laughs) I think they probably agreed. But you can come there, even as a minister, you can come to that place, and I have more times than I want to admit, where I walk away and I say, Lord, I need something fresh. A fresh oil, a fresh anointing. Anybody else interested in a fresh oil tonight? Anointed with a fresh oil. Listen to what, again, to what the anointing does. It says that the burden will be taken away from your shoulder, the yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. This is why Satan hates and is terrified of the anointing. Because it's the only thing that can lift a burden or destroy a yoke. And that's his whole business. He is in... The burden building business. This is his line of work. This is his occupation. You've heard of the Better Business Bureau. Well, he's in the better, bigger (laughs) burden building business. This is who Satan is. This is what he does. And he has worked tirelessly for generation after generation after generation to build the biggest burden, install the chokiest yoke, if you know what I mean by that. This is who he is and what he does. And this is why he's terrified of the anointing because he could work in your life or in somebody else's or in in generations spanning across a family to build a burden so big and so heavy that they don't even realize they're under it anymore. They just call it living. This is what he does in the lives of people and will work so hard to instill a burden so heavy and a yoke so impossible to destroy. And the reason he hates the anointing is because a moment of it can completely lift it and destroy the whole thing. The anointing.